that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday hump day to you here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Apologize for not being in yesterday. As you can probably tell by my voice today, I'm going through a little bit of a cold. And while I feel okay, you know, the mornings and the nights are kind of rough. I get congested and all that good stuff. The days are generally fine. Although after doing the show on Monday and talking for an hour straight, uh, it didn't feel great. So I thought, hey, I'd rest up. Tuesday, hopefully feel better. Probably not 100%, but the show must go on. And if I feel, if my voice gets very sore and I feel bad in the next, after the next hour, then so be it. We'll rest up and, and do it again tomorrow. And uh, you just got to play through the pain, I suppose. Yates, how are you? Uh, apparently doing a lot better than you are. I'm doing fine. I don't want to act like I'm deathly ill or anything, but uh, I, I do have a bit of a cold, and we do the say we do the radio show through Skype, so uh, you're at no risk of getting sick, Yates. So fear not. I appreciate you keeping that away from me. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I don't think it's contagious either. It's the weather's changing. It's been warm. It's been cold. My body doesn't really know what's going on, but anyways. A uh, lot to talk about, as always. Missing the show yesterday. Uh, recapping UK's football season, we'll do a little bit of that. and Talking about Louisville's bowl possibilities and where we could see them end up, what would be a good matchup, what would be fun. We're going to talk a lot of college basketball. Kentucky takes on Texas on Friday. Louisville played Ohio State last night. We're going to talk about both those games, a little preview and uh, uh, I guess a review of Louisville's game. I said earlier today on the Cats Illustrated podcast, I was able to do that. After that, I, I felt okay, so I'm feeling optimistic about today's show. Uh, but after the Cats Illustrated podcast, we talked about the Texas game, and I, may, I brought up the point that, and I don't know if this is a word, but I'm going to use it. Out of all the games on UK schedule, the Texas game, and, and this is starting from the beginning of the season, in my opinion, the Texas game is the second most losable game. Louisville obviously being the first. But for me, Texas is second, and I know Texas is a home game. I guess maybe this wouldn't be at the beginning of the season. This would have been my sentiments because I would have thought Florida would have been up there. But we're uh, we're past November now. Kentucky seven games into the season. We have a better idea of college basketball teams across the country. I still pro. I don't. I, you know, at the start of the season, maybe you put Kansas as the second game, but everybody knew Kansas was going to be a work in progress. So really, uh, I would have had Florida maybe at number two when it comes to possible losses for Kentucky, and then maybe Texas number three or Kansas number three. But as you have it right now, Texas, in my opinion, is the second most. Uh, the second greatest chance at a, at a loss for Kentucky uh, with Florida not being a very good team. And I know Kentucky's going to have to go down there and play in the swamp, and it's going to be a very uh, crazy environment. But I, I've seen enough of Florida already to know that they're nowhere near the team they were last year, and it's going to take uh, an A-plus effort for them to beat Kentucky, while Kentucky probably playing at a C-minus level, uh, which could certainly happen. But 
while while I'm saying that Texas might have a better chance of beating Kentucky than almost anybody on their schedule with the exception of Louisville, I think it'd be a huge upset if Texas were to win. I I don't think they have much of a chance of winning, but given the matchups, given the teams, uh, they they have a better chance than almost anybody else on Kentucky's schedule. And that's saying a lot about Kentucky. And uh, I I think they're probably, despite being preseason number one, I think they've been a little bit better than people thought they would be. Uh, Still a long way to go, and they, they could be upset on the road somewhere down the line. Upsets happen all the time in college basketball. But with that game being at home against Texas, I don't think Kentucky fans should be too worried, although Texas is a good team. Uh, so we'll talk more about that game. And obviously the Louisville game will be Kentucky's biggest test. Got to see another glimpse of Louisville last night against a quality opponent. I guess this would be, you know, if you want to consider Minnesota a quality opponent, then this would be Louisville's second uh, game. But really, it maybe you got to give some credit to Louisville. But I, you haven't been... I haven't been, and I don't think you should be overly impressed with uh, Minnesota or Ohio State, and really Louisville. Now, credit to them for winning these games and finding ways to win, but it it certainly looks far, far, far from a finish a finished product. Correct, Yates? I'd say that's fair, and, and it shouldn't be finished in November or December. And I know that John Calipari and Rick Pitino ha- have several times said that. They're worried about their teams peaking too early, and 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 they're okay with the process. Uh, Rick Pitino mentioned last night that freshmen almost cost them that game, and he said that's to be expected uh, with freshmen. So, uh, with Rick Pitino and, and John Calipari, but more specifically to Rick Pitino in this situation, I think he's okay with the team not looking great right now, and expects that to change over time. So that's the good news. Now, I had this tweet out yesterday uh, that that. I felt I got more criticism than should have. <coughs> and excuse me while I get while I, I'm sick on the air. Remember, I'm doing this at probably about 85%. I, I tweeted out that all the greats have performed under the weather or injured. And today, it's no exception. I'm, I'm doing the same. So, um, But I, I tweeted out, why would Ohio State play Louisville in a zone? And, man, some of the responses I would get, would think, people would think that I had never seen basketball before and never watched basketball before. Um, I just got some really s- smart aleck replies talking about how Louisville can't shoot. You play teams in a zone that can't shoot, and, and you force them to shoot. Yates, did you agree with Ohio State's decision to zone? I know you were a Louisville fan, but were you happy to see it, or were you were you a bit concerned to see that zone? Um, I mean... I mean, they. I guess as far as the general premise of playing the zone, I mean, Louisville can't shoot, so. And it, I mean, it kind of kept them out of the lane. I, you know, I don't think they got the ball inside enough, so I mean, I, I suppose it was reasonably effective. I I disagree wholeheartedly, and maybe Louisville can't shoot. Uh, they don't have a great field goal percentage. Well, I, I, I'm going to go back on that. Louisville can shoot. They haven't been a great shooting team this year, but you look at the players on their team, and, and if Terry Rozier has an open three-pointer, Louisville fans would be okay with him taking that. If Wayne Blackshear has an open three-pointer, Louisville fans are okay with them taking that. Even Chris Jones, if he has an open three-pointer, Louisville fans, for the most part, I, I think would be okay with him taking that. And it hasn't 
gone. It hasn't. <clears throat> nobody on Louisville early on this year has has been lighting it up from deep. But if you if you know these players, then you know that they're able they're capable of hitting these shots and making those plays. So <clears throat> I I was a, a bit surprised to see it. Um, and they pretty much played it for 40 minutes. If they if they left their zone, it wasn't for very long. And my question is, if Louisville can't shoot, if if they're not a good shooting team, then offensively, what are they good at? Uh, yes, Chris Jones is kind of a pest in terms of being able to get in the lane. Terry Rozier is okay at penetrating too. Montrezl Harrell has improved in the post a little bit, and I get if you're a team like Central Colorado State and you're playing Louisville, okay, well, let's just take our chances, let them hit threes. If they beat us that way, that's the way they beat us. But if you're a top 15 team, a top 20 team that generally recruits pretty well like Ohio State does, I, I just don't know if I get the – I don't get the thought process of playing a zone the entire way. Why not take your chances one-on-one with Montrez Harrell in the post? Why not hope to be able to contain? Once Chris Jones gets inside, he's not very good at finishing. He's not Russ Smith. Terry Rozier is a talented player, but why give them the opportunity to knock down threes the way that they did? Louisville hit 10 threes. Now, they didn't shoot an unbelievable percentage. They shot 29 of them. But you give up tw- you give up thirty points on threes. I think I read that there was nine second chance points for Louisville. If you're playing a zone, everybody knows that you're you're worse off rebounding. It's tougher to rebound out of a zone than a man to man. So you give up nine second chance points on eighteen offensive rebounds. So really, it should have been a lot more. If you're getting eighteen offensive rebounds and you're only putting up nine points. That's not great for Louisville, but 18 offensive rebounds is is impressive. So you give up 18 offensive rebounds, mostly because you're in that zone. So 30 points from three. I think Louisville had four fast break points, so that's 34 points. That has nothing to do with the zone. Nine second chance points. I'm going to contribute that to the zone because, you know, you're allowing them to get in position. So let's say that's 39 points right there. And then you had 16 free throws. So with the 16 free throws and the four fast break points, we're just going to throw those out. So that's 20 points. And then there was 39 points from the zone. So that's 59 of Louisville's 64 points. And you could make the case that Louisville got to the free throw line because they penetrated the zone and and this and that. My point is, Louisville's basically their only productive offense was hitting threes. And if that's the only thing that's working for them, at some point you think if you're Thad Mata at Ohio State, you switch that up. Don't give them wide open three-point looks because I do agree that Louisville's not an unbelievable shooting team. You know, they're a top 10 team in the country. They've got some McDonald's All-Americans and they've got experienced players that have won a national championship and, uh, you know, been deep in the tournament. And 
If they have open threes, they're going to knock them down. No, unless they're just an awful, awful three-point shooting team, you don't give up wide open threes to to a good team, to a, a, a talented team. And Ohio State did that, and I think that's, uh, yeah, Louisville's zone offense when not shooting threes wasn't great. It did keep Terry Rozier and Chris Jones out of the lane. But at some point, you just got to trust your defense if you're Ohio State. You got to trust your man-to-man defense. You've got to trust Russell, and you got to trust some of your bigs to be able to guard Montrezl Harrell. So, so I, I think that's why Louisville won that game, and certainly why they were able to get such a big lead. So I thought that was a very poor decision by Thad Mata to do that for for forty minutes. Brun DFC tweeting into the show. Had uh, several people ask yesterday about the show. I appreciate you all wondering. He said that Louisville is shooting 24% from behind the arc. They shot well above that percentage last night. Had they shot their average three-point percentage, that's the difference in the game. <clears throat> and that's my point. And I don't know how many teams have zoned Louisville this year for an extended amount of time, but it's certainly a lot easier to shoot out of a zone than it is out of men to man. Anybody that watches basketball will be able to tell you that. So I'm not saying play man to man to completely take out Louisville's three point shooting, but play man to man to make that tough. And if they're they haven't been shooting great from deep, and you're going to make it even tougher on them, then they're probably then that you're probably going to take away their three point shot. And I, I genuinely would say that they hit maybe four threes in that game. Now, they get other points elsewhere, but maybe they don't get 18 offensive rebounds either. And maybe Ohio State gets more transition points. So uh, there's a lot of ifs and buts, but I don't think the way you beat Louisville is with a zone. And I think when Kentucky plays Louisville, you're not going to see a zone, and John Calipari never plays a zone anyways. But you take your man-to-man matchups. You, you, you trust your guys to be able to defend good penetrators like Chris Jones and Terry Rozier. And you roll the dice. You roll the dice. And if Montrez Harrell beats you, and he's the only player that beats you, and you shut down the other four guys, then then you just got beat by a really good player. And I, and I think you take that if you can. Now, you can make the case that Minnesota was beaten strictly by Montrez Harrell. And that was the opening game of the year. Montrez Harrell had 30 points, did hit three threes in that game. But Terry Rozier contributed 18. He was able to get wherever he wanted. Chris Jones played okay, not as efficient, but had 13 points as well. So it wasn't literally just Montrez Harrell. Minnesota had a tough time shutting down some other guys too. So that wouldn't be my strategy if I were playing Louisville. But it, you know, Louisville was able to win. They punched Ohio State right off the bat. Ohio State had a tough time coming back. They finally did, and Louisville was still able to dig in deep and and pull out a win. So th- that's impressive. <coughs> Excuse me. I am curious to see Louisville's game against Indiana next week. You know, Louisville should have no problem winning that game. But Indiana did look good last night, scoring virtually at will against Pittsburgh in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Yates, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, scored six to two in favor of the Big Ten. Is that a question? 
It is a question. I think that's right. But I, I, I believe that's correct. Yes, for sure. What do you mean? Was that a question? I, I mean, you said it like you knew that was the answer, but you weren't sure. I don't. So I, I was trying to clear up what you meant there. Yes, I believe that is the record so far. All right, I think it is. I I, I think so too. Uh, but you have some very interesting games tonight that you think would maybe favor in the ACC, but but they could. Uh, without a doubt, be competitive. Duke-Wisconsin is the late game tonight. Speaking of late game, Louisville-Ohio State not tipping off till 9.30. Eh. That was, that, that's just entirely too late. But Duke-Wisconsin tip off at 9.30. Tonight, a top five team will be going down there. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that game later in the show, maybe make some predictions. Virginia-Maryland. Now, this is interesting because uh, it used to be two ACC teams. Now that Maryland's on the Big Ten, though, uh, that will be a, a big game for Virginia. Maryland's off to a hot start this year. Undefeated at 7-0. and Nobody really thought too much of Maryland. Uh, but Virginia, obviously, a very good defense team. be interesting what happened there. You, you hope the ACC gets one back against Iowa. Uh, that game is at UNC, Iowa-UNC. Uh, that should be a win for the ACC. Uh, that's kind of a stinker for the ACC Big Ten Challenge to have North Carolina host Iowa. They're only eight-point favorites at home, but still kind of strange to see that game. Uh, Michigan State-Notre Dame, I guess Notre Dame is being considered the ACC team. I guess they, they are ACC basketball. I'm still on football mode there for a second, but that'll be an interesting game. Notre Dame's been okay this year. Their one loss coming to Providence, who Kentucky beat. And then you have Virginia Tech, Penn State. That, that's considered an ACC Big Ten stinker. And Georgia Tech, no, Northwestern. Northwestern's never been to the NCAA tournament. Uh, another ACC Big Ten stinker. So we'll see if the ACC is able to crawl back into this challenge tonight. And the SEC Big 12 challenge starts today. Auburn, Texas Tech. Woo! These challenges are... <clears throat> Well, I guess when you have good teams go against each other, they can be fun, but uh, you got to include almost everybody in the conference, and that's when it gets to be um, relatively boring, to put it very, very nicely. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little more about Kentucky and Texas after spending the, the majority of that segment talking Louisville's game against Ohio State. We're going to talk a little bit of football, UK offensive coordinator surge, who to expect to end up taking over as offensive coordinator, and then it is Wednesday. Don't think I forgot Yates. It's Ask Yates Wednesday. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Bus. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz, on a chilly Wednesday. It's not the ugly, rainy, cold weather that it's been the last two days, so that's a step in the right direction. Yates, do you and the missus have all the Christmas 
decorations up throughout the house? Not yet. We don't. I think we'll probably end up doing that this weekend. That's fun. Is that like a special tradition between you two? Um, I mean, not on any specific day or weekend, but yeah, we always put it up together. We got our stuff up over this past weekend. I have a strict no decorating before Thanksgiving policy. And uh, it it looks pretty good. I don't know. My, my my parents were always very big in decorating, so I feel a little obligation to live up to that a little bit. Although my brother has no feels no obligation in decorating at all. But um, I don't know. It, it was entertaining. It's you can certainly make it feel a little bit more like Christmas when you participate in the decorating. But anyways, uh, Stove in the G-Chat is having a very heated conversation about why Ohio State should have played zone and that I'm missing the entire point. His his premise is that Ohio State held Louisville to 64 points. Overall, Louisville shot a pretty low percentage from three and that that was the right way to go. They just didn't have answers for, for Louisville's defense. And... Uh, I, I get that, and Ohio State didn't have answers for Louisville's defense, and uh, Louisville's a, a very good defensive team. I, I really think I would take Kentucky and Louisville one and two in, in team defense. I think there's probably some stats that, that have them right there. Uh, Louisville had five blocks. It certainly seemed like they had a lot more watching that game, but uh, there were some questionable foul calls against Louisville. They're They're very tough to score on inside, and uh, Chris Jones and Terry Rozier are, are pretty solid defenders. Although I was very, very impressed with D'Angelo Russell, the Louisville native. You had to be after watching that game. He finished with uh, 17 points. Not his best, not his most efficient shooting night. Not able to hit from deep. Uh, but when Ohio State was coming back in that game, he was a big, big reason why. So he was certainly impressive in that game. But <clears throat> my whole point is. I don't think Louisville's a very good offensive team regardless, and numbers say that I'm right. I don't think they're a great offensive team. But I don't think they're good at one specific thing. I don't think they're a great shooting team, although I think they're okay. They're not great in a pick-and-pop situation. They're not great in the pick-and-roll. Terry Rozier and Chris Jones can penetrate a little bit, but... Neither one, I, I think, is great at finishing at the rim. Terry jo- or, or Terry Rozier, a little bit better than Chris Jones. There's no Russ Smith on this team. There's and there's no Peyton Siva that can easily get inside the paint and then hit the open man. Montrezl Harrell is is good at scoring. He's he's come a long way, but I still don't think he's dominant in the post. And maybe I'm naive in thinking that. But if you have if you play Montrezl Harrell one-on-one in the post. And you can even bring over another guy for help and double-team him. And that, you know, I, th- I think that would be the smart thing to do. But even if you did, let's say you play him one-on-one, and you've got a nice 6'10", 6'9", athletic player guarding him. As long as you stay at home and don't foul and make Montrezl Harrell shoot over you, if he scores that, then he scores it. You live with that if you're an opposing team. But you don't. You have to 
be patient and you have to be smart defensively. You can't leave your man. You can't leave Montrose Harrell and let him lob something. And you have to block out. You can't allow 18 rebounds. Again, and Stowe pointed out that nine second chance points isn't very good at all. And I don't disagree with that, especially when you have 18 offensive rebounds. That's poor offense from Louisville. But part of the reason they got 18 rebounds is from that zone. It's much tougher to box out in a zone when you don't have a a direct body right on you. So with me saying I don't think Louisville is a great offensive team, I wouldn't give them 29 open looks. And I'm sure that all 29 of the threes that they shot weren't wide open looks. But definitely over half of them were. Well over half. So I wouldn't give them a handful of open threes, even if they aren't a great shooting team. And they're not a great shooting team. And they still hit 10 threes because that's what you allow them to do in that zone. When if you play a man, you take that out of the equation altogether. So then they might hit a three. They might hit a a couple threes. But you're going to make all their scoring come inside. If you're an athletic big team with smart players like Ohio State supposedly has, and I think they do, then make them score that way. Don't give them wide open looks, regardless if they're not a great shooting team. (coughs) That's my point. And Stove saying that's easy to say, it's easy to play the hypothetical game. I said it from the instant that they, I, I saw them play in zone. I was surprised that they were going to do that. And that's when I got all the tweets. And it worked out perfectly, just like how I said, Louisville just torched them from the perimeter. And if they play man, maybe Louisville shoots a few more free throws. I mean, they still shot a lot. They, they, They shot 28 on the game. If they play man, maybe they shoot 34. Louisville wasn't hitting free throws anyway, so that 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 wouldn't stop Ohio State. That shouldn't have stopped Ohio State. You knew you were likely to get a, a not very favorable whistle in the Yum Center, so might as well go all out with it. But anyways, enough of that. Kentucky takes on Texas Friday. That's going to be a fun game. One interesting note about Texas, something that kind of jumps out at me, and there are some interesting games on Friday night. I don't really know why Friday. I guess because there's conference championship games on fo- in football. <clears throat> but one interesting thing for me with Texas, and I've been talking about how Texas will be a good team all year, but this is, this is an interesting stat for me. If you take the top three shot blockers on Texas – so far this season, and you take the top three shot blockers on Kentucky, the best shot blocking team in the country, the top three shot blockers on Texas have more block shots on the year than the top three for Kentucky. And Miles Turner, uh, the freshman that I am very, very high on, he has more than all the players, not combined, but all the players in the pool. He's got 23 on the year. That's impressive. And then Kentucky is a little deeper in their shot blocking, and they they have seven more block shots than Texas on the year as a team. But if you're going three deep, Texas has more. 
And Kentucky's leading shot blocker, su- surprisingly to some, I-, I-, I called this at the beginning of the year, not to toot my own horn, Carl Anthony Towns has 21. So he's got 21 block shots. Miles Turner has 23. And I went on a little rant on the podcast today. Yates, Miles Turner, you know, I know you probably don't follow recruiting all that much, but Miles Turner averages 12.1 points per game, 7.1 rebounds per game, and 3.3 blocks per game, all in just 20 minutes of playing. So that's half a game. Your 40-minute stats would look great there. But Yates, he doesn't start for Texas. Can you believe that? Seems a little absurd to me. And I get so sick of these coaches doing it. And, you know, it's kind of an old-school thing. And Rick Pitino could even possibly do it. I don't think he'd be crazy enough to do it with with a guy like Miles Turner, somebody that talented. Bill Self did it with at the start of the year with Cliff Alexander and Kelly Oubre, but I'm, I'll, I'll give Bill Self the benefit of the doubt because now Cliff Alexander is starting and he's at least has success with with freshmen. But you know you wouldn't see Coach K do this for the most, you know maybe a, maybe a freshman here or there. You don't see Calipari do this. It's just trying to be so so cute with a freshman because you have more experienced players and you brought back your starting five, so you're going to let your starting five start again. So stupid. And that's why Rick Barnes has just fallen off the map into oblivion is because he does stupid stuff like this. Miles Turner is maybe the best freshman in the country, one of the best freshmen in the country, maybe one of the better players in the country, definitely has a higher ceiling than 98% of the players in the country, probably 99% of the players in the country. In the 2014 class, he was compared to Anthony Davis, who tore up college basketball, currently tearing up the NBA, and you're going to bring Miles Turner off the bench if you're Rick Barnes? Just so stupid. And playing 20 minutes a game is okay, but not not great. There are six players that average more minutes than Miles Turner. The guy that nearly leads you in points per game, Isaiah Taylor is currently leading that stat, and he is uh, injured. Be curious to see if he plays against Kentucky. <clears throat> Almost leads you in rebounds per game. Leads you in blocks per game. And you're not starting him, which is stupid enough as is, and then you're playing six players more minutes than he is. I don't buy the transition into college basketball and having to adjust. There is some truth to that, but it's not like Miles Turner was playing high school basketball in Alaska against people a foot smaller than him. He was dominating on the AAU circuit, and he was dominating NBA top 100 camps. Just stupid. So he probably won't start against Kentucky. Good news for UK. Uh, but he's very, very skilled. I'm very curious to see how these front lines match up against each other. Uh, Texas is much bigger and athletic than Kansas is on the front line. I maybe wouldn't say much bigger, but certainly bigger. 
We talked about how Kansas has one of the front lines that could possibly neutralize Kentucky's front line. Uh, Texas is better than that. I'd say Kansas, Texas, and Louisville would be those three front lines that Kentucky will play against this year. North Carolina has a little bulk and a little length, but not nearly enough of either. So this Texas game on Friday will actually give us uh, maybe a little bit of a better idea of, of what to expect from the Louisville-Kentucky game, which I just think could be a, a game in the 40s. I imagine it probably won't be in the 40s, mainly because both teams will likely shoot 35 free throws. Louisville will probably shoot 45. I mean, there's going to be so many fouls called in that Louisville-Kentucky game, not to not to get way ahead of ourselves, but I think this will give us a better idea of how Kentucky's front line matches up with another really good front line, and you've got two, you've got two groups of big guys that can block shots and kind of alter shots at the rim. Because Louisville's got that kind of team too, so I'm curious to see it. But again, I, I think Kentucky wins. If Texas is with uh, without Isaiah Taylor, I think they win without a doubt. Texas, I, I'm not a big fan of comparative scoring, but Texas beat Texas. Texas, UT, Texas, beat Texas Arlington by 10. Kentucky beat them by 48. Again, not a huge fan of comparative scoring, but that's got to count for something. You know Texas was probably looking ahead to Friday. But that is a huge difference in scoring. Stove texted in the G-chat saying that he assumed that Miles Cerner was playing 30-plus minutes a game. You would think, and he should be. I mean, could you imagine how much better his numbers would be if he was at, if he was playing ten more minutes a game? And, and this Texas team, with their schedule, <coughs> it's been okay. You know, they've beat they beat Iowa by fourteen, and they beat California by sixteen. Those are both okay teams, but they're okay. Cal beat Syracuse pretty badly. But their most impressive win, without a doubt, is going to UConn without Isaiah Taylor and and winning that game. It was kind of a flukish game for them to win, a real low-scoring game. And that's what makes me think that if, if Texas has such a tough time scoring without Isaiah Taylor against UConn, you could likely imagine it being similar with Kentucky. So I'd be a bit surprised if if Texas scored, it, it went into the 60s. It's just how much Kentucky scores. But we're going to preview this game a little bit more. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, I'm excited for big-time college basketball to be back and for that to kind of be the focus. And I, and I know there's plenty going on with UK football, plenty going on with coaching searches. I don't think people realize just quite how big this domino effect in college football is going to be with this coaching search. You've got Florida, you've got Nebraska, you've got Michigan. All looking for new head coaches. And they're going to pluck them from some schools. And then those coach, those schools are going to have to find new head coaches. And then they're going to pluck them. And Kentucky's already been affected with, with Neil Brown heading to Troy. It may not end there. We don't know. If you're a Kentucky fan, you don't, you, you can't feel 100% secure that nobody else will leave. 
Mark Stoops name has been thrown around with the Michigan job. I, I don't know how they could with how bad Michigan football has been lately. I don't know how they could justify hiring a, a coach at Kentucky that is seven and 17 in two years and won just two and, and just two and 14 in SEC games. But his name's been thrown around a little bit, and that's a good thing for Kentucky. I don't think he's going to leave this year. But that's a good thing for Kentucky. It's much better to have your coach's names pop up for jobs than, than to not. That means you're doing something right. <clears throat> but there will be an offensive, a new offensive coordinator for Kentucky, and you've probably heard a lot of names pop up, and we're going to talk more about this. I don't think you're going to see a decision uh, today or tomorrow, so we can talk more about this tomorrow. But... You've, you've heard names pop up. You've heard names already be shot down. <clears throat> Miami's Cooley has been uh, thought to have the job, not have the job. Kyle Tucker says that James, the offense coordinator at Miami, James Cooley, will not be considered. Two names that I, if I had to make a guess who would be, as of today, and again, this is just a guess, I'd go with Eddie Grand, the offense coordinator at Cincinnati. That would be my guess, and he'd be fine. Justin Rowland of Cats Illustrated, he endorses it, so if he endorses it from a recruiting standpoint and just as a offense, how it'll flow, if he likes it, then, then it's probably a pretty good hire. Another name that I would like, would be Tim Beck, uh, the Nebraska offensive coordinator. And I think this is probably going to be a really tough one for Kentucky to pull in. Now, Bull Pelini gets fired. Tim Beck runs more of a traditional offense in terms of it's balanced. It actually probably favors the run a little bit more than the pass, and that could help with Damian Harris, the five-star recruit. But I think he does a good job, and I think balance is a little bit more of what Kentucky needs. I know you've got an offense. You've got offensive pieces that are built for the spread and passing a little bit more. I don't think you necessarily have to have those pieces. So Beck would be a guy that I'd like. Supposedly he's going to interview for the Kansas head coaching job, so it's probably going to be tough to get him to go to Kentucky to be an offensive coordinator with how high – he is shooting. Another name that people have been throwing around is Lincoln Riley, the offensive coordinator at East Carolina. I think that'd be a great hire. I don't know how realistic it is. I don't think it's super realistic, but that would obviously be a hire. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to head to the commercial, our last commercial break. We'll come back, do a little Ask H Wednesday, talk a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. That was such a great tease for Ask H Wednesday. You won't want to miss it. Uh, we'll be right back. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450, the Sports Buzz, one final segment. It looks like you're going to see Jim McElwain be named the head coach at Florida. 
according to plenty of sources on Twitter. Uh, he was the head coach at Colorado State and was the offensive coordinator at Alabama when they were in the midst of their national title run a few years back. That is, I don't know, Yates, what do you think of that hire for Florida? Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I kind of feel like Florida would go after a little bit bigger name. Um, I mean, he's, he obviously was, you know, has a, a good pedigree, I guess, coming from Alabama. I think his name got tossed around a little bit here when Louisville was in search of a head coach. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if the name carries as much juice as Florida fans would like. But no, it, it's we'll certainly see. not a yeah, it's it's not a huge name that's going to send waves across the recruiting trail and fear into the hearts of other SEC coaches. Now, he did a great job with with Alabama and his stint as offensive coordinator there. You know, he he won national championships. Yeah, uh, big big reason why he made pretty average-looking Alabama quarterbacks uh, look good. Of course, it doesn't hurt when you've got great, great receivers and you've got Mark Ingram to hand the ball off to and some of the other guys. But uh, he had a ton of talent around him. And here's the thing is you should have a ton of talent around you at Florida too. So if he can make that kind of talent look that good, then obviously it's a great hire. The question is, will he be able to get those big names, those type of big names? Again, it it's hard to recruit poorly at Florida. But it but it does take a special kind of coach to be able to to recruit at Nick Saban's level and to recruit at, at Les Miles level and to to be in the top 3 in the SEC. Now that does take a great recruiter. And it's probably going to take him winning a little bit, to be honest. And the good news is the SEC East isn't super tough. There's no powerhouse. Every program seemingly is down or on the way up. <coughs> Excuse me, but it's probably going to take winning a little bit. Because right now, you know, if you were a, a, a top talent in Florida, the only reason that you'd go to Florida over Florida State is to play in the SEC. And if you wanted to play in the SEC, I promise you some of those other big SEC programs would have no problem scooping you outside of Florida. So they're going to have to win a little bit to, to show that staying at Florida and, and playing for him can be beneficial in the long run. Now, he does have a good track record with the guys at Alabama that he can point and say, look, I've, I've coached in, or NFL players before. It could be an easy sell. So I don't think recruiting will be a huge problem. He'll be able to get in. Uh, he'll he'll probably have some of the best classes in the SEC East, but he's got to be able to find a way to translate that onto the field. I'm curious to see who he brings on as, as defensive coordinator. There's some reports that Will Muschamp has been offered the defensive coordinator job at Auburn. Now that would be something. You'd have a former SEC coach as the defensive coordinator at Auburn, a former SEC coach as the offensive coordinator at Alabama, as if that rivalry needed a little more juice. That would be extremely cool to see. Uh, but we'll have plenty of time to we'll have plenty of time to, to talk some of that. Let's waste no time and get into Ask Gates Wednesday. 
the first one coming from Brun DMC. He wants to know if if Yates has any strange sports tendencies or superstitions. He says Clay 116 was always and is the most superstitious sports fan he knows. He would yell and fight at siblings if they move places during UK games. Uh, Yates, do you have any strange superstitions? Uh, I don't have anything specifically that I do like every game, but I do. I have been known to do that sort of thing where if if somebody moves their seat during a game and it it changes the way the game is going, I'll I'll suggest that they move back. I've changed my shirt before during a game to try to change up the mojo. So there, there's nothing specific, but I am I am prone to superstitious things like that okay uh, that's interesting as a kid i was really superstitious to the point where if things weren't going my way i'd go watch on another tv and and just go to different spots of the house and do all that stuff uh you know after if things really weren't going well and i had used up you know four or five of the tvs in the house i don't really remember what i'd do um, but <laughs> Uh, that that was pretty much the extent of it. As I've grown up and become a bit more mature, I I, I don't. I am a big fan of playoff beards. I do that in every sport. Um, I don't necessarily think it's superstitious, but it, it kind of it's fun to be able to follow how far your team grows by how ugly my facial hair looks. Um, so that's pretty much the extent of that. All right, the next one comes in from Trevor. He wanted to he he wanted to get this question in, and we we've got some more. Uh, but he wanted to get this one in. Since you've done the long hair hippie look, would you ever shave your head to go with the Walter White look from Breaking Bad? Uh, I don't. I would never shave my head just for the fun of it. I mean, if I were shaving it for some cause, maybe. But no, I, I would never just choose to shave my head. No. No. Did you watch Breaking Bad? I did absolutely watch Breaking Bad. It was phenomenal. It was. It was one of the better shows on TV. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he. I mean, but he. I don't know. I mean, I don't want you Yates to get rid of your long hair. I, I, I like it, but I, I do think. Have you ever worn a ponytail before? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. It's not quite long enough to wear a ponytail yet. The front is still not long enough to. It's it would still hang down in the front, and not be. Oh, you know, okay. In the ponytail, it's, it's not that long yet. On a side note. My hair is probably the longest it's been in years, and I can barely see it if I try to pull it over my eye. Now, I'm a little impressed to be having hair at this point. I've got pretty thin hair, and I figured when I was in high school, I was like, when I'm in college, I'm going to start losing my hair, and I'm going to look like a, I'm going to look stupid. Although, you know, you can, you can rock, you know, not having hair and look good. Plenty of people do, but I was very concerned. So I feel like I'm on borrowed time. I don't know if I am. A doctor's never told me. Um, but I'm very happy to be able to grow out the hair. Swilliam1855 tweets in a, a great office uh, office quote when we're talking about superstitions. <clears throat> he says that, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. That's great. The office usually just plays on, at my house on repeat while I'm working, and sometimes I be, I'm able to catch it, sometimes I'm not. Uh, but but great. Uh, Yates, we, we're, there's some more questions. We're running out of time, so I, I might just I might pick a quick one. I Trevor, Trevor says you you can 
borrow some of his time if you'd like to continue the segment. No, I don't want to do that. And also, I've got I've got some voice problems. All right, you know what? We've we've. Uh, I was gonna ask one of my own. I'll, I won't be selfish. I'll wait. Um, he asked if the power uh, stove on the G chat asked if the Power Five conferences uh, should flip the double mids to the NCAA and make their own governing agency. <laughs> um, I mean that's sort of a complicated question to ask right before the show ends. Uh, I mean, they sort of already are going in that direction. Uh, I mean, I'm inclined to say yes, because there's such a divide between the Power Five conferences and the rest of the NCAA. But at the same time, if you do that, then you sort of lose out on the the fun of the mid-majors in the basketball tournament. So I... I I can't give a definitive answer one way or the other, but it it might be in their their best interest to do so. It it John Calipari's been calling for that basically since his time at Kentucky. It'll be interesting to see if anything ever comes of it. Uh, but that does bring me to another point that I don't have time for. Uh, that's a solid answer, Yates. I want to be reminded to talk about this tomorrow because it has to do with UAB's football program and it has to do with the NCAA. And you can probably guess where I'm going with it. Anyways, but uh, we're out of time today. Hopefully my voice it will heal and it will sound better and I won't be coughing throughout the show. We'll see. Thanks for listening. 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Uh, they say welcome to the 502 Take the Georgia boy, show them how Kentucky do 